welcome to the Senior Detectives Podcast, a cozy corner to talk about mysteries of all kinds. I'm Hannah. And I'm Lauren. Today we will be covering Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. It is a movie written and directed by Ryan Johnson. We'll start today with the opening shots. A gentle and sinister piano composition serenades us as a door opens to knocking. A stressed woman answers to find a delivery man that has a large wooden box that she signs for. The shot jumps back to show that she lives in a large estate and the date is May 13th, 2020. We enter the house with the woman who hurriedly walks through a room into a home office, leaving her children running around screaming and her husband to inspect the box. It is clear that the COVID-19 pandemic is in full swing. The man calls out, it's from Miles. She hears this just before she begins an interview with CNN. She is a governor. We learn that her campaign was backed by Miles Braun, the founder of a tech giant, Alpha, as the scene changes to a laboratory. I said that like I'm British. Uh, (laughs) From here, the scene jumps around and we meet the five major players of the mystery as they live their unique lives and each receive their very own wooden box from Miles. I really love this first set of scenes. I really do, too. (laughs) You get such a clear picture of each character as they receive their box. You do. And it's a puzzle box. It's a puzzle box, Hannah. We would love this. The absolute (laughs) delight that I would have at receiving this in the mail. I know. I, like, can't really (laughs) describe how excited I would be. I love, in particular, um, Duke, which is Dave Batista's character, who's mm-hmm. like a men's rights activist Twitch streamer, which is yes. <laughs> so funny. But he gets it, and he lives with his mom, and she's like, it's a compass. <laughs> yeah, she... Um, it's a stereogram. It's this. She calls every puzzle, like, <laughs> it's does. obviously this, which I feel like would be me if my kid got something. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, So we'll go into a bit about each of these people as they go through these set of shots. But I want to see kind of overall your opinion and specifically how you compare it to Knives Out. Okay. Um, I think my so my overall opinion went on a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Because after, like, I had such high hopes. And then as we were watching it, because we watched this together the first time we saw it, which was fun. (laughs) I'm very loud and annoying in movies, but... (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it was fun because we were all, like, reacting to it verbally at the same time. It was great. But yeah, I... It was a roller coaster ride during the movie because I went from like being like, ooh, I don't know mm-hmm. about this to mm-hmm. being like, wait, I love this to being like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously, like I had more time to think about it. And then mm-hmm. on a second rewatch, I think my opinion of it definitely improved quite a yes. lot. But I think that overall opinion is that it's a good movie. I would even say it's a really well made, great movie. Mm hmm. And the only thing for me that brings it down is when you compare it to Knives Out. To Knives Out, which is like, I think, fair because it's the same writer and director. You Um, can't help but compare them. But you, You just can't help but compare them. But I agree. I don't think it's as strong. However, I do feel like a lot of that for me comes from the atmosphere 
of the yes. movie. Like Nice Absolutely. Out is so cozy and warm and inviting. Mm-hmm. And this one is very different. It's like kind of stark and cold and it's very bright and sunny. Yes. And then it's like half the movie is in like this bright sunny day and then the other half it's like this ritzy dinner party situation mm-hmm. which yeah is not my vibe either. <laughs> no, and in both movies he really plays on the top 1% of mm-hmm. the United States and these horrible people that are big exaggerations of people that exist in our world. And that's the same in both, but it just feels less relatable in this one than the first one. Yeah, I would, I I can see what you mean there. Like, as far as our main character goes, like, I don't think either of us relate to any of the other characters in either movie. No. But... Maybe uh, Birdie's assistant a little bit, but she's yes. supposed to be the like working class <laughs> level person. So, yeah, yeah. But that being said, I love it. I, it's a lot like Knives Out and the fact that every single detail is meaningful and comes back into play, especially yes. on that rewatch. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, yes. Shit. There are so many things yes. that, which we will get into. But I agree. For me, it comes down to I think I just. It's my opinion that I prefer Knives Out, mostly because it feels cozier and, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I like the weather and the costumes and the setting and Mm -hmm. everything just appeals to me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I agree. I wonder, too, if it's also in Knives Out, we got the really good relationship between Marta and Harlan. And in this movie, there's not a very strong meaningful happy relationship with any of them yeah i maybe would have they're really all against each other liked to see which i don't know how they would have done this um and obviously this is spoilers but i would have liked to see andy and helen's relationship i think that, that would, would have cool. given the movie a lot of heart mm, and yeah and yeah showed and or showed helen's motivations for mm. wanting to go to the ends of the earth like this. Yeah. To... She clearly cared about her sister. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I agree. agree. I think it's missing a little bit of that heart at the center mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. But overall, an amazing detective story and it's mystery. Great. I can't it's, wait to talk it's about it. Really good. All right. So let's jump into it. So it switches between shots of each character so we meet them as they are receiving this puzzle box (laughs) immediately with claire she (laughs) i think the fact that this is taking place during a pandemic is also really interesting it's a huge part of the story oh yeah and just the fact that he chose to do that is Mm -hmm. bold (laughs) but i like it (laughs) well it's also like once again another stab at at the rich You know, because I remember when, like, the Kardashians in the middle of, like, 2020, where they, like, booked a private island and invited all their friends and family. And they were like, we're in a bubble. Exactly what happened here. (laughs) No. Yeah. But so she sits down to do her interview with CNN and she's, like, really professional on the top. And she's got pajama bottoms on. I don't know if you noticed that. It was cute. It it may or may not be a reflection of my exact situation right now. I have a pair of sweatpants on. Same. Also me every time we stream anything. I know. Yes. 
it's funny. You get a little sense of her home life. It's very chaotic. It She's is. got like kids running around. And she her does husband. not seem like she likes it very much. No, <laughs> she doesn't seem into it. She seems no. really neurotic. She comes across instantly as like very stressed and neurotic. And yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> what is her act? The actress's name? Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn. I love her in everything She's that great. she does. She's so truly like one of my favorite actresses where every time she shows up in something, I'm like, yes. Okay. I'm <laughs> <Yes>. in. <laughs> I love you. And she does amazing in this. No She's question. She's so great. Um, we also meet Lionel. Sorry. Yeah, Lionel. Uh, he is very different from Claire's atmosphere. Like he's in a laboratory in a lab coat. He's a scientist and he's immediately being pressured by, I don't know if it was uh, a board or investors. Um, for I think the com- it's a board. A board. Okay. Yeah. For a company that he works for called Alpha. And this is a huge deal in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are talking about a fuel, which we don't know anything about, and using it on a manned space mission, a manned mission. Um, and we don't get any more context than that, but it's clear that Lionel wants to, he's like, I need two years minimum to make sure this is safe. Like we cannot put people on this mission yeah, with we haven't this fuel. tested it. And the board is like kind of backing him up where this idea was brought about by Miles Braun. He is a billionaire co-founder of this company. Uh, he's kind of who all these people center around And he has these wild, crazy ideas that sometimes turn out to be strokes of genius. Mm -hmm. And so Lina's kind of defending him. But at the same time, he agrees that this is crazy. Right. They are all kind of commiserating with each other that Miles is pushing when it's not ready. Yeah. Right. And it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And he gets his box. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets his box. Um, Yeah, and I think as each character gets their box, we see um, they are like all on a group call together. And so they each call each other and they all like join in on this group call as they all get their boxes, which I love. It's very unrealistic that they would get them all at the same time, but I don't care. (laughs) It is. (laughs) I'm all about this like group call situation. Yes. And it's like split screen on the TV. It's so good. Um, We meet Birdie next. She is played by um, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson, yes. I love her too. <laughs> yes. um, she has this like perm in her hair and she's like in like lingerie basically. And there's this insane party happening behind her. <laughs> she looks like she's in a party from the like 40s. She looks like she's yes. in like a speakeasy or something. And everyone yes. is wearing these amazing clothes. And it's a huge group of people in the middle of the pandemic. And right. she gets called out on it. And she's like, it's okay. We're all in a bubble together. We're all in a pod. <laughs> <laughs> They're all in my pod. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And she's like bored. Like mm. she's got all of this stimulation around her and she's still bored. So she's talking to her assistant, Peg, who we, I think, both love. I like yes, Peg a lot. I like Peg. <laughs> yeah. Because Peg has taken her phone. Because she mm. tends to put her foot in her mouth and say uncool things. <laughs> she does not have a filter or any sort of gauge as to like what is appropriate and inappropriate. As we yeah. will learn throughout the movie, she's done many things. 
that she like, I think she genuinely doesn't understand why it's problematic, but she like kind of willfully is ignorant oh, yeah. to like she doesn't why want to learn. No. No interest in learning. But <laughs> she's like so dumb that it's it's not it's endearing. It is it is. It's endearing. Yeah. I really like, I quite like Birdie. <laughs> I quite like Birdie too. <laughs> I wonder if it's just because we love the actress. So. Maybe. But Kate Hudson does such a good job. She does, but she's just like the dumb blonde that can't hold her tongue and she says problematic shit for sure. But yeah, for me, I think it's the sort of thing where I really enjoy watching a character like this. And it's yeah. the sort of person where if I met them in real life, they would be way too much for me. <laughs> yes. But I really enjoy watching her. She's just a lot of fun. And which... Peg, her assistant, is kind of the audience surrogate because she looks at her like, all right, are you serious? <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. pretty great. And the final friend that we meet is Duke. And he is in the middle of a live stream when he gets his box and he is promoting, it's, it's like an energy drink, but like a energy drink for men. Right. Cause they like talk about yeah. it throughout the movie and it's, they call it rhino juice or something like that. Yeah. And it's not good for you. And he's like pimping it out to teenage boys. Mm hmm. Very yeah. like Andrew Tate sort of character here. Yes. <laughs> and he and his super hot like whiskey man. Oh my God. His girlfriend's name girlfriend. is Whiskey. She is stunning. She's beautiful. She wow. is so freaking pretty. Um, Goals. We'll talk about whiskey later, but I have a lot to say about whiskey. Um, <laughs> but really? they get okay. their box. <laughs> they get their box. And of course, we talked about how his mom like solves all the puzzles. <laughs> He's on the group call with all their friends and they're all trying to like figure out stuff together. And the mom, like we said, it's just like, it's a stereogram. In the That's how you open it. Solving it. It's so cute. And then when they finally do get it open, Whiskey comes in and she looks at the box and she's like, what's this? And his mom goes, I don't know. <laughs> but you just solved all the puzzles. <laughs> she's so funny. I really wanted more of her. And then that's all we got. Which yep. I loved what we got. It was great. Mm -hmm. uh, so when they do get into this box, they find an invitation to a murder mystery weekend on Miles Bronze private island. And for the most part, they're like kind of excited. But I would say Claire and Lionel are definitely apprehensive. You can tell. Yes. And even when they got their box, when she's told it's from Miles, she gives this look like, oh, shit. She does. And he clearly doesn't look pleased either. And, you know, we've seen him at work kind of disagreeing with Miles right. fundamentally on something. So yeah. those two for sure seem less than thrilled, especially when compared to Birdie and Duke. When you... Uh, saw that it was going to be like, oh, come to my island and solve my murder... Did you think that it was going in a totally different direction? Yeah, I did. But the movie was marketed like that. So like the trailers for this oh, movie. I didn't even watch the trailers. Made it look like Miles invites everybody to his island for a murder mystery party, but then accidentally really gets murdered. And then you have to solve his murder. So okay. that's I was like, okay, this is what's happening. I, I totally thought that's what was going to happen. Ooh, uh, so it was a big you. misdirect. For me. Interesting. I didn't even see the trailer. And that's the vibe that I got 
Except actually, no, I thought it was going to be more like, oh, shit, this guy is ready to die or Mm. he's already dying and or, you know, something kind of a little bit more crazy than just, oh, it's a fun weekend where I'm going to fake die. Right. My brain kind of went two different ways here, though, because just like with Knives Out, immediately, as soon as the movie started, I was like, this reminds me of an Agatha Christie story. And oh, what we is have it? Not, oh, my gosh. We haven't covered it, so I can't tell you which one. <laughs> Wait, what? You got to tell me which one. <laughs> well, I guess the just the general premise of a bunch of people being invited to a private island that can yeah. only be accessed in the morning at a certain tide and it's like one rich person who's invited them all to the place is the setup for And Then There Were None, which is <gasps> my favorite Agatha Christie book. <laughs> so oh I was like, gosh. is this? It must be. It is. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, it, it there is. are more than one similarity, which yeah. we'll have to talk about in the future whenever we cover that. It definitely has like the same kind of bones and setup as that. Obviously, it plays uh, out very differently. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. But um, <laughs> yeah, it plays out very differently. But just the setup and everything, I was like, hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. You know, I really like Ryan Johnson. I think he does a great job. I think he's yes. like between Edgar Wright and Wes Anderson for me. Like, he brings those vibes together. And I love both of those directors. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Anyways. Yes. Then... We cut to a woman. She's sitting in a bathrobe and a hair towel in her garage or something. And she also has a box in front of her. And instead of figuring it out, she she puts on some safety glasses. She grabs a hammer and she smashes the shit out of it. She beats the shit out of this box until (laughs) she opens it up, which we didn't mention. They solve all the puzzles. And in the middle, there's an actual glass onion with the invitation. Did you mention that it was in a glass onion? I don't even onion? think I noticed that. Oh, yeah. There's a little, there's a glass <laughs> onion in the middle that like unfolds. Okay. Well, that that's has. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, she digs around in there until she finds the onion in the invitation and she kind of looks very serious. And then it cuts to Benoit Blanc in a bathtub. Benoit Blanc. Yay, yay, yay. First of all, his clothes, I mean, his clothes in the first movie are just very like suits professor like tweed yeah. suits which mm-hmm. is you know a certain kind of a mood but he was in this there movie, as a detective and in this movie he's not there as as a detective right yeah. so he has like his casual wear on in this movie and i can't get enough of it um, i love it the first so thing much. we see him in i don't even know what these little hats are called that's the little it. hat it's it has a hat with the it might maybe a fez but i feel like fezes are different um, with, but it's the little hat that's like got the embroidery on it. It is a fez. <laughs> He's wearing a fez in the bathtub, which I <laughs> smoking a cigar, <laughs> a mood, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, Hannah loves her bath, so this is like what Hannah would do because he literally oh. has a tray in front of him with his laptop on it, and he's playing Among Us. <laughs> <laughs> I told Kendall last night when we were watching it. I said, "One day I will have my dream bathtub where I can have a tray across it and trust it to not like slide into the tub like yes. this, so that I can do stuff like this in my bathtub <laughs> because I'll just never get out of there." <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have that then. (laughs) Yeah, he's on a group call and he is playing Among Us with the best cast of characters. I want to know more about them. Can they be in the next one? Oh my gosh. So it's Angela Lansbury, who was the star of Murder, She Wrote. 
recently deceased, unfortunately. She passed away last year. Um, Stephen Sondheim, who also wrote a murder mystery movie, but also is more famous for writing like Into the Woods. He's a he was a musical Ugh, composer. I and love writer. him. I miss him. Yes. I'm also, sad. yes, recently passed away. Kareem Abdul Jabbar and Natasha Leo. <laughs> It's such a cast of characters and they are playing Among Us together and it's amazing. And he's like getting super frustrated because he doesn't understand it. Which backs up his whole point later in the movie that he is bad at dumb things. (laughs) Dumb to him. (laughs) Yeah, super cute. And they're like, Blanc, we are worried about you. Your partner. Okay, it's his partner, right? Oh, it's yeah, got for to sure. Be. Okay, yeah, because it's not explicitly stated, but I'm like, he's living with another man. It's his partner, yeah. Boyfriend, husband, I don't know. But his partner, Philip, told him that he hasn't left the bath for a week, and he's, like, <laughs> depressed. <laughs> it's, it's played off as a joke, but it's it's funny to me because it's just the situation. But, he's yeah, he hasn't had a case in a while, and he's yeah. feeling useless bored and Mm -hmm. stir crazy to be honest especially during covid i relate really hard to that oh yeah for sure it's exaggerated in the movie obviously but i get stir crazy and i get bored so easily with jobs and yeah i i totally get it although he says that he likes danger and i'm like no (laughs) i'm not a big fan of danger But just as they're talking about this, there's a little knock on the door. And we don't get to see who it is, but his partner says, Blanc, there's someone at the door for you with a box. With a box. Like smash cut to him waiting on a dock in Greece. And so this this movie is set in Greece, and I love it. I love Greece. It's at the top of my, well, maybe not. The Northern Lights are first. It's at the second top of my bucket list to go to. (laughs) Because of Mamma Mia, and now add this to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And we see each character arrive on this dock. A couple people arrive just in cars like normal. Duke and Whiskey ride up on a motorcycle, on a motorcycle. firing a gun as they ride up on the motorcycle. Birdie has like a billion bags. And she gets out of the car with a mesh mask on mask. where you can like totally <laughs> yes. see straight through it. It's not doing anything I love that the costume design went all the way down to that little detail, like of their masks. Like each one of them has a unique one. I mean, Mm -hmm. Birdie is the most memorable because it's not, it's not a mask. It's not a mask at all. (laughs) And like Catherine Hahn's character is wearing one, but it's sitting below her nose. And then like Blanc's is like color coordinated to his outfit and (laughs) has polka dots on it. It's so great. Whiskey and Duke don't even have one on. They're not even wearing them, which (laughs) is also on brand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they all kind of geek over the fact that Benoit is there. Yes. The Benoit Blanc at our murder mystery weekend. So unexpected. Yeah. It's cute. And this is the first time we hear Duke call this little gang of people disruptors. Which Miles gives us a whole rundown on what that word means later. So it does come back. I hate it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we will discuss that. I have lots to say. But a man rolls up who is an employee of of Miles. It's freaking Ethan Hawke. 
in the it's Ethan Hawke rolls up in a cameo, shoots them all with like a vaccine gun straight down their throat. (laughs) Benoit's the only one who's like, What is this? Why (laughs) (laughs) is this safe? I don't need my mask anymore. Yeah, it's supposedly (laughs) so that they're good with COVID. But then our final guest arrives and everyone is aghast to see the arrival. Andy. Very dramatic. It is Janelle Monet, and she is the character that we saw smashing the box. And yes, I uh Janelle Monet is amazing. Like she's so good. I she's so good. She's so beautiful. She's so talented. Mm -hmm. She's perfect casting for this. Oh yeah. So she's (laughs) so good at this as this character. Yeah, everyone's just stunned to see her there. And we don't really know why. Uh, but I did notice that when she arrives, Blanc is not looking at her at all. He's watching everyone watch her arrive. I didn't notice that. Which is That's such, such a, a good nod. detail. Yep. It's, it's detail. so good. See these details. It's such good writing. Yes. Which, oh, I we didn't talk about it. At the beginning, and I feel like I have to bring it up before I forget. Okay. When Birdie is at her party at the beginning and she gets her box. Yo-Yo Ma. Yes. As they're solving the puzzle box, there's a song playing and they have to figure out which song it is. Yeah. And Yo-Yo Ma like literally pops onto screen and says, A fugue is a beautiful musical puzzle based on just one tune. And when you layer this tune on top of itself, it starts to change and turns into a beautiful new structure. On a rewatch is literally like <gasps> the structure That's of this the entire story movie. Of the, oh my God, Hannah. <laughs> F, okay, this happened when we recorded Knives Out too. You blew my mind with some shit. <laughs> I like when I heard that the second time, I was like, oh, okay, so. That's just a really early thing of Ryan Johnson going like, that's what this movie's going to be, guys, but you just don't know it yet. <laughs> I didn't, I. It's so good. It's so, so good. It's, it's so such a good. little detail like stuck in there, which is why I love these movies. Oh, the rewatch God. value is really so great. And he's the first cameo played as himself. Like this guy names drop, name drops the shit out of people. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Wow. Okay. Thank you for that insight. Very out of order, but I I was like, I can't believe I forgot to say it. (laughs) Okay. So once they're on the boat, uh, Lionel is talking with Benoit, and we learn that Andy started the company Alpha with Miles. Like, they co-founded it, and he ended up booting her out of it completely with one legal move. And so Blanc is like, why did he invite her then? And Lionel's like, why did she show up? Mm-hmm. Indeed. Dun, dun, dun. Why? <laughs> Good questions. Yeah. I can't imagine co-founding a company. Not even if it was like super teeny tiny and didn't accrue billions of dollars a year. And then being forced out of it. Right. I mean, that would be like one of us kicking the other person off of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do a solo podcast now. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'm sure in the real world, there are ways to prevent this sort of thing from happening. Mm. Like she probably would have had like vested interest in this company that even if she did get booted somehow, mm-hmm. she still would have had like shares and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know how it all works, but 
Yeah. It's not hugely important. It's just that she got booted out of the company. Yeah. It's more about the betrayal, I think, than the money. Yeah, absolutely. She's got money. She's mine. Uh, When they arrive on this giant yacht, Miles, this is the first time we meet him. He's wearing PJs, playing Blackbird, the Beatles song, on a guitar, on a beach. Like, my first initial vibe of him... Okay, also, it's played by... um, you know his name? Edward Norton. Edward Norton. I love him too. He's in like every Wes Anderson movie ever. And I love all yes. of his characters. So honestly, I was kind of sad that his character ends up being a shithead. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, I just like immediately saw him and his whole vibe. And I was like, oh, yeah, I I'm like this it. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, false. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he greets everyone as they arrive and gets off the boat. I love Birdie is the first one to see him on the beach, and she literally screams all the way down the dock, like running like a cr- like a crazy person yeah. to hug Miles. And they have a big embrace, and then Lionel gets there, and they like shake hands and hug or whatever. Everybody gets like their own little greeting, mm-hmm. but um, Whiskey gets a particularly yes. uh, physical embrace. That just goes on yeah. too long. It lingers. It lingers very conspicuously. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not hidden, is it? Nope. No. Everyone's kind of looking on like, ooky. We're just going to pretend that's not happening. Icky wicky. <laughs> he sees Blanc and he's surprised like, why are you here? But then he sees Andy and he's even more stunned. Yes. And I think he plays it off pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He keeps his shit together pretty well. Like, it's clear he's surprised to see her, but nobody really thinks anything of it because there's a real-world reason why he would be surprised to see her mm-hmm. because everybody is also already wondering right. why, why did she, she even show up. So his surprise doesn't seem out of order in any way. On a rewatch, obviously, like, it's played off totally differently, mm-hmm. but... I think Edward Norton does such a good job of showing that shock, but not too much shock. And like, he plays it off really, really well. There's so much that on the rewatch, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't notice that or pick up on it sooner. Like literally out of all the little clues that he leaves you, I only got one. And I was so excited about that one, (laughs) but he just, he peppers them out. And once you rewatch it, you're like, Whoa, Okay. Yeah. Um, as they're standing there on the beach chatting, this like stoner dude just like walks through the group. Uh, Did you look I think, this up? Because I have info about this. Yes. Okay. Miles. <laughs> Miles is like, yeah, it's it's us. We have our own private island. It's just us here to enjoy. And like as he's saying this, this guy like walks through the group of them and is like, ignore me, ignore me. And he just looks like a stoner guy who. Yeah, has zero context. Like in the wrong movie. <laughs> That's all he does the whole movie is just like walk through a scene and be like, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not here. Don't pay attention to me. Yeah. And they play it off like, oh, that's Daryl. He's just going through something. I'm letting him yeah. stay on the island. <laughs> it's Noah Sagan. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the fanboy cop from Knives Out. Yes. It's Trooper Wagner. And I looked it up. He is in, apparently he's in every single one of Ryan Johnson's films. Yeah, even since if it's 2005. The tiniest little cameo, every single yeah. one. And I, it even says that, um, I found it online, that in 
Noah Sagan's bigger movies that he has gotten since working with Ryan Johnson, he thanks Ryan Johnson in the credits. Oh, because he helped him get his start. Yeah, they're like big buds and and collaborators sometimes. So yeah, Ryan puts him in all of his movies, and I love that. It's very even. He directed one episode of Breaking Bad, and he's in that. Mm. Yep, it's so great. I think it's so cute. I still don't know how I feel about his role in this movie. No, it's kind of weird. It's weird, and I like personally didn't find it all that funny it's just kind of strange and i was like okay i hope this pays off later it doesn't there's like not really a payoff that feels like it's a payoff he's just kind of there which is the joke but i think that's the like meta joke of it is that he's in all of his movies and he's just kind of there so why don't we just make him kind of just be there on the island for no reason and once i learned that little insider scoop i'm all about it yeah i I was much less annoyed by him after i found that out (laughs) Mm -hmm. for sure uh so while they're also sitting on the beach we start to realize that miles says words wrong or he uses the wrong word for things he says inbreviate yes at one point (laughs) let's inbreviate together (laughs) yeah (laughs) which means nothing (laughs) silly boy andy in this scene introduces herself to Blanc and they kind of have a little rapport about like, this is just some weird rich people shit, isn't it? Like what's going on here? (laughs) Which I love that someone said it. (laughs) Yeah. And that Benoit is like a little taken aback by it all. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. He's just like, what the hell? Because he's well to do. I mean, he's a very successful detective, but... I think he's very comfortable, but yeah. not... There's a difference in, like, very, very comfortable and then, like, billionaire nonsense. Let's flaunt our wealth. <laughs> in every possible way. So they head up toward the house, and they notice that the house is topped by literally a giant glass dome in the shape of an onion. It's not subtle. Not at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> Miles is talking to them about how it's like an homage to their past and his present and the future. And he makes it this big, like, overdone metaphor that is so stupid. Super dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Once they get up to the house, Miles kind of pulls Blanc aside in that onion glass mm. room. And he's like, yo, what are you doing here? Like, I did not invite you. (laughs) Blog is like, well, yes, you did. I got a box. I got a box. I solved some super easy puzzles. Some children's games. (laughs) And I got invited. And I love how he really lays on this, like, thick Southern hospitality very apologetic and stuff. And I love that when we watched it all together, Kendall was like, oh, I thought that was a bit overdone because it mm. does come back into play. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think anything of it. But he really does go all out. Oh, yeah. He really lays it on very thick here. Yeah. And Miles ends up being like, I mean, yeah, you, you can stay. It's a murder mystery party. Why wouldn't I want the world's most famous detective here? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Blanc is like, interesting that you didn't invite me because that means that someone else resealed their box and sent it to me. So someone mm-hmm. else wants me here. And I was like, ooh, Miles is going to get murdered. He's going to die. <laughs> 
Blanc is legitimately like concerned about Miles' safety because he thinks that his presence there means that Miles is in danger. Fair. Yeah, it's a totally. good deduction. Later, I guess, Blanc goes to the pool, which is an awesome pool and I want to swim in it. Wearing the world's best outfit. Oh my God, he looks like a cute little sailor boy. I told Kendall he looks like a Ken Barbie doll. He uh, does. Like, he looks like pool vacation Ken. Oh my God. <laughs> he has like a little, he's wearing one of, it's like a blue and white striped shorts and shirt swimsuit. Yeah. The whole outfit is his swimsuit and he has a little neckerchief on. He literally has an ascot. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I just, I love him. <laughs> I love him too. And he like has a drink. They're all drinking hard kombucha, which they get mm. out of a replica of Miles's car. Like a yeah, baby, baby blue Porsche. Porsche. Yeah. Yep. And so he's like in the pool with his kombucha, <laughs> waist totally high with dressed. his shirt on. <laughs> it's so cute. Just like staring at people. <laughs> I love him. Um. Yeah, so... Duke reminisces, actually, as he's grabbing a kombucha, he says something about like, hey, you remember that time, Miles, that you almost pancaked me coming outside of, and and Miles is like, oh yeah, out of Anderson Cooper's house that one time, right. leaving the party. Name dropper, first of yeah. all. Annoying. Mm-hmm. A Duke, man, he is wearing a Speedo with a gun in My it. My dude is strapped at all times. He has a Speedo. With his gun holstered on. It seems very <laughs> unsafe. I mean, it's pointed straight at his dick. Like, <laughs> it is. It always makes me uncomfortable when people put guns in their pants in movies yeah. and stuff. But like, this is, the Speedo just makes it that much more like, it is a bad idea, my guy. It's another like, He does level. not care. He's just firing that thing willy-nilly. And he just like shoots it into the air at random times. Because why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and Claire and Lionel are over in the corner of the pool having a, like, very intense discussion. And Blanc is literally just, like, staring at them. <laughs> Trying to hear what they're saying. He's so un- <laughs> unsubtle about it. He's clearly just watching everyone. And we see Peg and Birdie having this little conversation on the side of the pool. And she's begging her to try and talk Miles out of making you do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds very sinister. And Birdie like goes on this whole reminiscence about how she was a big star at one point and Miles was a nobody. Mm-hmm. And she literally goes, I preferred it that way. I'm like, yeah. oh, Birdie, are you okay? You're not okay. <laughs> She's not okay. Nobody in this movie's okay. That's accurate. And yeah, Andy kind of slides in behind them and pops up and they don't know she's there for a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, oh, Hi, Andy. <laughs> just like Birdie <laughs> plays it off. Like, just so I'm uncomfortable. I'm gonna go. <laughs> she literally says, which I really, you know, I give her props for just being able to just say, I'm uncomfortable, I'm leaving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is oh, weirdly gosh. relatable at some points, despite mm-hmm. how horrible she is. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, they're all kind of sitting on the side of the pool and they talk about how Miles only ever uses fax machines. That's he doesn't so have a cell phone. Pretentious, it hurts. Yes, it really is. Which apparently there's a like behind the scenes sort of reason for this, which I don't know oh. if you came across this in your research, but I didn't. apparently Apple has a thing where they don't allow villains in movies to use their phones. 
And in Knives Out, everybody has an iPhone except for Ransom who uses an Android. (gasps) So it sort of gives away who the villain is in that movie. You're blowing my mind again. He's the only one who doesn't have an iPhone. So for this movie... Everyone has an Android and Miles doesn't have a phone at all. He just uses fax machines. (laughs) And I feel like that's Ryan Johnson being like, you're not going to figure it out that way this time. (laughs) I can't believe the words that just came out of your mouth. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. And I mean, that could all be conjecture, but I have heard that thing about Apple before, like that. Well, it doesn't sound like it's conjecture. Literally, Ransom (laughs) had a different phone. (laughs) He's the only one with a different phone. Yeah. Okay. I think it's funny that Miles only uses fax machines because it's just, uh, you're not getting any hits this time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, So while they're all sitting around, Blanc inquires about the term disruptors. Where did that come from? What does it mean? And Miles goes on this long little spree monologue about what makes each of them a disruptor. Mm-hmm. So I'll just like give you examples of what each of them, how they are disruptors in their respective ways. So Birdie was a fashion icon. She was the youngest editor of Shishi magazine. She messed up by doing a tribute to Beyonce. Like my Halloween girl did blackface. She didn't. <laughs> she spent some time hiding from that. <laughs> when the pandemic hit, she came out with a line of sweatpants called Sweetie Pants and made a fortune. So, like, she, like, turned it around. He Mm -hmm. says that she disrupted her own disruption. Um, Doing blackface as a disruption is so fucked up. As a tribute to Beyonce, Lauren. You're right. (laughs) What am I thinking? (laughs) I know what my next costume's going to be. some clothes, not... Duke was the first influencer to have a million followers on Twitch, which is not known for influencers. Lionel is pushing the boundaries of science, whatever that means. Claire is a soccer mom in beige throwing grenades into machine politics. Mm, Sure, sure. And Miles, top dog, he basically starts talking about how when they founded Alpha, that was their first disruption. You find something that nobody really likes anyway, and you break it at the infraction point is what he calls it. Mm-hmm. And you see how far you can go beyond that. And he basically is like, you go so far and so far, but actually in the end, nobody really wants you to break the system itself. And people will tell you to stop and they'll tell you to quit. Even your partner, meh, meh, meh. but that's not what you're disrupting. It. And you shouldn't do it. Cause if you're a true disruptor, you know, to keep going. Did we? Well, yeah. It's so, it's the most pretentious, annoying monologue I've ever seen. It goes on forever. And Blanc is giving him this look the whole time, like, okay, Mike, dude, sure. He's kind of like cringing a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I love like Birdie says, like, oh, you know, I just say what other people are thinking, which, (sighs) okay, Agent Nicole, like, nobody likes that. (laughs) Nobody likes to hear that. And I think Blanc has the perfect response to that and he says something along the lines of um it's dangerous to confuse speaking without thinking with speaking the truth yeah and, and Bernie, Bernie just <laughs> she has no comprehension of what she just said that went right over her head and she goes you think I'm dangerous Blanc? <laughs> <laughs> 
I love her. I love how just how dumb she is. And Blanc is just like, no. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, Andy has been sitting here listening to this stupid monologue. And she's getting angrier and angrier. And she says, you know what the real thing this group has in common? Miles' money and influence. You are all sucking on his golden tea. They all getting the money from him in one way or another. Yeah, he's like financing Claire's campaign. He employs Lionel high up in his company. Birdie, once again, she <laughs> went in an interview, compared herself to Harriet Tubman. <laughs> And so to dig her out of that hole, Miles invested in the sweatpants and sweetie pants. Duke got banned from Twitch temporarily for promoting his, oh yeah, the rhino horn boner pills, which is like the energy drink that he was promoting at the beginning of the movie. Uh, So Miles like dug him out of that as well. Yeah. So yeah, she calls them all out on their shit right in front of them. In front of God and everybody. Yeah, and she's like, you all will backstab a friend. (laughs) You'll backstab a friend to get what you want. And then she, like, runs away. And Claire runs after her. And you don't get to see what they say. So at first you think that they don't catch up to her. And then Lionel, like, runs after Claire and catch up up to her. And there's a scene where you see Andy, like, stumbling away. Yeah, she looks drugged or drunk or something. My first thought was not drunk. Like... When we were watching this, my husband was like, ooh, is she okay? Like, she was stumbling. And I was like, is she sick? Is Did someone poison her? <laughs> right. It, I thought she had been drugged. Yeah. Like, pills in her drink or something like that. Yeah. And Claire goes, she's changed. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. But how? But how? How? But why? <laughs> yeah. So we, we get a little brief chat with Peg, which is Birdie's assistant, um, and she has just approached Miles herself to beg him not to make Birdie make this statement about Bangladesh. And we still don't know what the statement is or what the situation is, but they just keep mentioning this Bangladesh Mm -hmm. situation. And she's basically like, I have only got Birdie J on my resume. If Birdie makes the statement, her career is over, which means my career is over. Please don't do this. And Miles is like, no. <laughs> yeah, he says, like, that's her only option, I think, is he's what yeah. he says, something like that. Uh, and Blanc is uh, overhearing this conversation. He's hiding behind a butt, his big statue <laughs> butt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Blanc is perfectly in the right place at the right time. Love it. Yes. And he goes to smoke in the garden, and then all the alarms go <laughs> off know. as soon as he lights up, and he's he, like, freaks out and <laughs> runs away. He runs away so dramatically. It's, it's so, so cute. funny. And the physical comedy there is very good. And it's also very good when he's, like, just finished that whole thing. And Duke runs by. And, like, I don't know why it's so funny to me when someone just, like, runs into frame and out of frame all at the same time. <laughs> like, it just makes me laugh. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care if it's serious. It always makes me chuckle. And, like... So he just runs across the screen really fast, gets me. But it's a very indie film thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. And he, Blanc follows him, and they both see Miles and Whiskey fooling around together. Yeah. And stuff is bad to happen. And it looks like Duke is very upset. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's his girlfriend. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's not pleased. Yeah. But he doesn't confront them. Nope. Because he's sucking on that golden tea. 
So now it's time for dinner. Dinner. Okay, so this room is like really wild. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, there's a lot happening. There it, is. So it's in the glass onion. Mm-hmm. That's the big central room for this whole film. There's a dining room table. And then on the bottom, like down some steps, there's like a living room. But peppered around the living room are these really insane, cool glass sculptures on these pedestals mm-hmm. everywhere. 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 And over in the corner, behind some like glass, I'm assuming like super intense heavy duty glass, is the actual Mona Lisa. <laughs> actual painting because it's the height of covid miles says the louvre is closed and turns out they needed some cash and so i got myself a little short time rental and he has rented the mona lisa for his own personal enjoyment to keep in his big old glass <laughs> onion <laughs> okay and i i recognize that people were upset by that but i think it's so dramatic and cheesy that i actually really love it <laughs> People were upset by it? Yeah, I mean, just because of what happens at the end, I guess. And it's like a very famous piece of art. And I don't know. I feel like for the context of this story, I think it's perfect. I think think it's it's great. Hilarious. And it's so good. (laughs) Just like everything else in this movie, it all comes full circle. Yes. At the end. I think it's great. I love it as a plot device. I think it's... I do too. I don't care at all. Not bothered. so crazy and would never happen in real life that I think it's awesome. (laughs) Right. Like I'm not denying that it's silly, but I am willing to like put that aside Mm -hmm. for the sake of it making sense in this movie. Yeah. Embrace the silliness. (laughs) Um, So as they walk in, Miles hands everyone their favorite drinks, like very special. Blanc tries a sandwich that has hot sauce on it that he about dies. And I'm like, aren't you from like, Louisiana or something. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows where Who knows? this man is from? It's very ambiguous. He's a real enigma. It? Yeah. But he, <laughs> he like chokes on this hot sauce. He does. <laughs> and Miles is like, oh, yeah, it's Jeremy Renner's hot mm-hmm. sauce. Name drop. I invested in his company and he sends me a pack of it every now and then. So he gives him a bottle of hot sauce. Yeah. And then as he's showing them the Mona Lisa, because they're all like, the fuck is that? He's like, actually, I had an override button on the Mona Lisa's like security glass. So if you push down a little sculpture, it will open um, because he's like, I needed to be able to look into her eyes. Without glass between us. Yeah. And he, he's so, I just, uh, I just know. Again, he goes on this little monologue where he's like, see, I want to be responsible for something that gets mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa forever. It's so dramatic. It's very, (laughs) it's so dramatic. They all, I don't feel like any of them laugh at him for this, but there's no way that I wouldn't have like snickered or like (laughs) chuckled when someone said that. I was just like, okay, (laughs) yeah, sure. He kind of gives like Hamilton vibes, obsessed with his legacy Wants to be left behind. Yeah, so he tells them that in one week, investors are going to be showing up to this island and he is going to unveil a solid hydrogen fuel named Clear with a K. 
Play with the gay. Derived from abundant seawater. So it's just like new, mm-hmm. very plentiful. Supposed to be eco-friendly. Like ideally, like renewable energy source that mm-hmm. is going to change the world. Yeah. And this is, gives a whole lot of context to Lionel's introduction mm-hmm. at the beginning of the movie. He holds it up and it looks like a kind of little baby crystal. It's white and it's small. It's small. And Lionel has a big reaction to it. Yeah, to this news, he is not pleased. Mm-mm. We heard him say earlier in the movie that he needs minimum two years to test this fuel source. And the fact that Miles is like forging ahead and is going to unveil it to the investors in one week. Mm-hmm. He calls him reckless. And yeah, you're like, going to get people like, killed. And Miles is like, hang on now. The entire glass onion, my entire island is being powered by it right now. <laughs> and Claire and Lionel are like, oh my God, this is how we die. We're all going to die. They're all going to die. <laughs> She's like, you turned your house into the Hindenburg. <laughs> yes, right. She's like, I cannot. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Uh, um, I also feel like we haven't talked about the actor for Lionel. That's Yes. Leslie Odom Jr. He, I just talked about Hamilton. Yeah. Love him. Yes, he's amazing. Yes. I can't wait to see where his career goes because he Honestly. is he's like Janelle Monet. Like he's obviously extremely talented in a mm-hmm. multifaceted kind of way. As a musician as well. Yeah. He's so good in this. I really enjoyed him. Yeah, we we just need to pay his, him his dues here. His character seems the most level headed insane the most grounded for sure yeah and the one who seems least dependent on miles because he seems like if you've worked at his level with what he's done it feels like you could make a lateral move elsewhere Mm -hmm. in the scientific Mm -hmm. community yeah like miles could threaten to destroy him but would it really work like he's got all this experience and stuff he still has like a really solid resume Mm -hmm. um so I don't know about that. But yeah, he's calling Miles out on his bullshit here. It's a very dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They all sit down to dinner and Miles sets up his meta mystery. He's like, I'm going to be murdered tonight. You're going to have to spend the whole weekend figuring it out. It's going to be super fun. And Blanc is like, oh, can we start now? And he's like, I mean, I haven't been murdered yet. But yeah, sure. Yeah. Start now. What do we win? <laughs> what do <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe we could get, like, an iPad or something. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, you get an iPad. <laughs> right, yeah, like, you can, sure, you can have an iPad. I don't give a shit. It's, like, this yeah. the equivalent of, like, a quarter to Miles. Like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Blanc solves it immediately. In the best way. This reveal is so good, because I thought we were going to have to watch this whole murder mystery mm-hmm. play out, which I would have been on board for, but at mm-hmm. the same time... You've seen that happen before, I feel like. And it's so great because Blanc just immediately just goes, it was Miss Barta J. <laughs> <laughs> For stealing your diamond. It's <laughs> so diamond. good. Yeah. And he like goes through the motions of how exactly it would happen and the different things that were laid out in the mansion. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's all this like hugely intricate plot mm-hmm. you know and he just totally ruins all of it got it and <laughs> immediately yeah. and miles is pissed. he is yes once again i think um i can't remember anyone's name what is blanc's actor daniel craig daniel craig gosh <laughs> he is having the best time he really is yeah he just 
you can tell he just loves this character and really Got enjoys playing him. Yeah. Yeah. So Miles and Blanc go up to like his office in the Glass Onion and Miles is like really annoyed. He's so bad. He confronts him and he's like, he's like, I think he says like, I'm not angry, dude, but like, what the hell? <laughs> I feel like I it's an appropriate Jillian reaction. Flynn to write that. <laughs> Freaking Jillian Flynn. I cannot. I cannot. We should do one of her books. <laughs> oh, we should. We mm-hmm. absolutely should. We could do Sharp Objects, the miniseries. Oh, yes. It's Anyways. such a good show. I'm going to make Kendall watch it if we do that. I tried to get Zach to watch it and he got bored, I think. And I was like, how? Oh. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Blanc confesses that he spoiled everything on purpose because he genuinely believes that Miles is in danger because he's like, look, you invited all these people here who have a real tangible reason to want you dead. And you put the idea of your murder in their heads. Yeah. And he literally says, it's like putting a loaded gun on the table and turning off the lights. Yeah. And he's just shocked that this hasn't occurred to Miles. Yeah. And Miles is like, what? And Blanc is like, look, you threatened to ruin Lionel's reputation if he didn't work on Claire. You threatened to back Claire's opponent in the upcoming election if she didn't back the power plant. You're making Birdie take the fall for Sweetie Pants being manufactured in a sweatshop. Ooh. Even though Ooh. he's the main investor, Alpha is. And he's fooling around with Whiskey, which is Duke's girlfriend. So yep. like motive for all four of them. All of them. All of them. Yeah. And Miles is like, you did your homework. Yeah, he's kind of impressed, but not really that Blanc knows all of this. Yeah, he seems kind of annoyed about it. A little bit, yeah. Blanc in this scene notices there is this framed napkin behind Miles's desk. And Miles tells him this whole backstory. And we get to see this flashback Mm -hmm. as he's doing it, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Where all the disruptors all met in this bar and they were all friends. The Glass Onion Bar. At the Glass Onion Bar. Which honestly is a really good name for a bar. Yeah, they all met when they were in their like late 20s and ended up becoming fast friends and have all gone to find success in their own ways, Mm -hmm. as he puts it. That that's their big connection in this napkin was what Alpha, this big megacorp, was originally planned out on. Like, the seed idea of Alpha was planned out on this bar napkin at the Glass Onion. Yeah. So he's got it framed because it's a big deal or whatever. Back in the living slash dining room, I don't really know what to call it. Uh, (laughs) The gang are basically just, like, hanging out on the couches, getting super drunk. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Fair. They're like, well, we're not solving a murder mystery. I guess we're getting drunk. We're hanging out. Yeah. And they all say that they're going to leave, but none of them do. Birdie's like, no, we're getting drunk tonight. Which, okay, Kendall pointed this out. What's up? And it's this theory is backed up later, but I was looking at Birdie through this lens for the rest of the movie, and it oh. absolutely lines up <laughs> with the way she acts because. Kendall's like, I think she's tripping this whole night. Because <gasps> like, oh, at or is no she point just in dumb? the, on, well, but although the whole movie, the whole evening part of the <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah. she's acting like she's on another planet. She does. She dances around. 
she's not even following really what's happening. And then when she finally does, it takes her way too long to like catch up. And like, she is dumb, but but there's a scene later where everybody's rooms are ransacked. Yeah. And there is a sheet of (gasps) LSD tabs in her stuff. And some of them are missing. And Kendall's like, she has, she's got to be tripping. Oh my God. So she's she's on acid. Even her dress is like trippy. Yeah, she's wearing this like rainbow psychedelic dress. I think it makes perfect sense. She screams. She goes, what is reality? (laughs) (laughs) Like everything she does in the whole evening section of the movie. I'm like, it's perfectly explained. That would be so fun to play. (laughs) I know. I love that he just gave her the subtle direction of just like, play it like you don't know what the fuck is happening what is going (laughs) on you're literally tripping right now she's the one (laughs) who like screams bloody murder when all the lights go off yes (laughs) so good man so good duke meanwhile is like getting google alerts on his phone literally nonstop. it's kind of annoying i know it has a plot point but it's really annoying (laughs) it's super annoying and so the whole mona lisa security system activates whenever there's like a loud noise or Mm -hmm. anything happens in this room, it activates and this big sheet of like security glass slides up to protect painting. And so every time he gets a ding on his phone, that glass like whop, like slides up. Yeah. Very annoying. (laughs) Like my sensory overload would not have Mm -mm. been able to handle that. It's a lot. And I mean, he gets called out on it. They're like, you know, you can just turn it on silent. He's like, nah, I got Google alerts on all of you. I don't, I want to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, He has a Google (laughs) alert for the word movie. So every time, (laughs) oh my God, just constant. And then Claire, who I don't know, is probably the drunkest out of all of them. Like, she stumbles around. She's just got a bottle of vodka. She does. Yeah, her hair is real messy, and her neurotic tendencies are coming out. Um, She confronts Andy, and she's basically like, why the fuck are you here? Like, what is the game? What are you playing at? Just give us the bottom line. We want to know. And... Andy screams at them that she wants the truth. It's very intense scene, actually. It's very intense. And you as the reader, like, or the reader, the viewer, you can tell something's gone down here, but you don't have the context for any of this yet. Yeah. You can tell they all turned against her, specifically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in some way or how, there's been this big betrayal. Mm -hmm. And Duke gets up and he said, you want the truth? I'll be the asshole. Of course you will, Duke. He basically is like, yes, you're right. We are all holding on to Mike Miles' golden tit. And Andy, you lost. You lost the game. You're a loser. And she storms off and it's horrible. Team Andy. Team Andy. And Duke gets another, yet another notification on his phone. Um, But this one shows that the views on his Twitch channel are like skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. And... He gets really excited and he shows Miles on his phone, like, look, look at this. Those numbers, that's going to change things, right? Like, this is big Mm -hmm. news. And Miles is like, oh, it absolutely is. We can totally discuss it, like changes moving forward. Yeah. He wants to be put on 
his news network to get more viewers and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, we can definitely talk about that and make that happen because this is... Let's celebrate. And he goes to make another drink. Mm-hmm. He makes another drink. He sits down and Duke picks up his glass, like Miles's mm-hmm. glass. He takes... I think he, like, shoots it, actually. He drinks the whole thing in one go. Bro dies. Real fast. Yeah. <laughs> the- he, he like, dies <laughs> really fast. And he goes down. Yep. And they like all rush over to him. Blanca, like whiskey is crying. She's like over his body. Blanca's like, can you please get off of him? This was probably a murder. <laughs> <laughs> I need you guys to not touch the body, please. Yeah. And they're all appalled at the suggestion that this was not an accident. Right. That this was murder. Mm-hmm. As they're all kind of sitting there absorbing this event... Miles goes, oh, my God, and points at the floor. It's so dramatic. He, like, zones in on the glass that Duke drank from, and it's got his name on it. And he's like, I was supposed to drink that. That was my glass. One of you tried to kill me. It was poison. And they're all like, are you serious? What are you talking about? Like, they cannot believe that this suggestion. Brady goes, Miles, baby, it's us. Really? (laughs) But he is, like, so upset. He's, like, hiding behind Blanc. He's like, I'll pay you a billion dollars to tell me which one of them tried to kill me. (laughs) He's, like, a child. So, yeah, as he turns around to hide behind Blanc, you can see he's got a phone in his back pocket. He sure does. And you know what? The second time through, I really zoned in on that. Yeah, it was so obvious. It was. But the first time, I didn't notice it. Well, and in the first time, even if you did... You just think it's his phone. Like, right. you don't really think anything of it. You kind of forget that he only has a fax machine. Right. And then, yeah, like, seconds later, they're looking for Duke's phone, which was almost immediately, just before this moment, going off. Those right. notifications are still going off. Mm-hmm. But suddenly it's gone silent, and they can't seem to find it. Well, right. spoilers. Yeah. Miles has it, yeah. And... They definitely make a point to, like, block it in such a way that you can see his butt with his phone mm-hmm. several times. Yeah. But there's so much else going on and happening, and I thought the uh, storyline of him hiding behind Blanc was pretty funny. Yeah. I just yeah. didn't even notice it the first time. Yeah. It's played off really well, in a way specifically so that you would notice it the second time, but the mm-hmm. first time it's just, yep. just totally under the radar. <laughs> Miles has a little panic attack here because he realizes he thinks somebody's out to murder him and that it is almost 10 o'clock. Like, oh my God, no, oh no. He breaks out. (laughs) (laughs) And he tells Blanc, the murder mystery. He said, I thought it would be so fun if two hours into the mystery and Blanc's like, what? What's going to happen? And then every light in the place goes off. It goes off, yeah. (laughs) It's really funny. It's so good. Birdie screams bloody murder. She does. They all freak out. Like, and so, like, right after this happens, Whiskey comes running back in because she had left crying and she's like got like a little stabby spear gun thing. She has Duke's spear gun, (laughs) which she brought on vacation with him. And she's shouting that Andy killed Duke. It was Andy, and she was tearing their room apart. And like everyone is freaking out. And then they literally all scatter. They all run their separate ways. And Duke's gun is missing off his body. His holster is empty. His phone and nobody and his seems gun to have it. They're missing. Yep. 
which Miles also freaks out about. And cue this, like, really fun, clue-looking, spooky montage of people running around in the dark. Yes, it's so good. It is. Everybody is, like, losing their mind, freaking out. Miles is running around going, Andy? Andy? (laughs) The framing of that shot is actually kind of creepy because she's, like, right around the Mm -hmm. corner, hidden by the shadows when he's yelling for her. Yeah. And then, like, Lionel runs out. Birdie gets some knives from the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Um, Yeah, and Blanc is walking around and he's got a flashlight and he's going through the kitchen and he notices that one of the knives is Mm -hmm. missing and he sees Andy run past. He sees like those two things happen back to back. The first time watching the movie, I thought that he yelled heavens or hell or something (gasps) like that, but he yells Helen. (gasps) He yells Helen. But it's kind of like the way he yells it, it's like kind of hard to pick it out. But once you know, like, so, yeah, he calls for Helen. Which oh, is my God. Great. Once you know, you know. Once uh, you know, you know. <laughs> okay, that's cool. But he catches up to her outside and they are chatting and he's kind of trying to calm her down mm-hmm. yeah, he's in this like, situation. Yeah, he's like, Duke's gun? And she's like, no, why would I have his gun? And he's like, well, he's dead. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea. Yeah. And then Andy gets shot. There's a shot of the gun being very dramatically raised. We can't see who's Mm -hmm. holding it. Aimed right at Blanc and Andy. And yeah, she gets shot right in the chest. Yeah, she goes down slow motion. Oh, yeah. And Blanc is so horrified. I just feel so bad for him. Genuinely very upset. Oh, yes. Like he's crying and I would be too, for sure. Everyone runs out of their respective Mm. areas of the house. Yeah. And they have a really great, again, the blocking is so good where they all come up on to like these different pillars because mm-hmm. this happens on a set of stairs leading up to the house and they're all like spaced out evenly and they all look very sinister. Like any one of them could have done this. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. And everybody sees him standing there next to Andy's dead body mm-hmm. and Blanc makes them all go back inside. He's like, this ends now. We have to figure this Mm -hmm. out. And then he goes back inside and they're like, basically like, detective, what is going on? And he's like, this goes way back. And we get the movie all over again from a different perspective. And I think it's so cool. We get that second layer that Mr. Yo-Yo Ma was telling us about. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. I can't believe. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah, so it goes all the way back to the beginning. Everything that you thought you knew is wrong. (laughs) Yep. Everything you've been shown, very uh, selective parts of what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really like the second story even more. Yes. Like, I liked watching it even more. And because when, when she gets shot originally, I got very angry because Mm -hmm. I don't... I was very upset. Yes. I don't like... Getting to know a character and really liking them and having them be killed off. I literally stopped watching shows for that shit. So I was like really annoyed. And I am so glad when she popped up again in this second (laughs) half of this movie. I was also like, they just killed Janelle Monae. And it's like halfway through the movie. Right. It's fucking Janelle Monae. You can't be killing her off midway. Like, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. This part of the movie, when we get to see everything again, was like a turning point for me. Mm-hmm. It was like up until this point, I was like, I don't know about this movie. Mm-hmm. Just watching everything play out in real time. Mm-hmm. I was just not fully in it. And then when we get everything told over again from a totally different perspective, I was like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. It's like the satisfying... This was when I decided I liked it. ...end of a book or something, but it's the entire second half of the movie. It's so satisfying to learn... It's great. ...what was happening. And when this happened, when we were watching it together, we had just come off of discussing uh, The Last Lie Told, where there was a lot of twin stuff that wasn't done very well, and it was just bad. Go listen to that episode. (laughs) And literally, she pops back up again as a different person. It's her twin. And you go, see, that's how you do twins. (laughs) I was like, that's how you do the twin reveal? (laughs) It's true, though, because I genuinely did not see it coming. Uh You're not supposed to see a twin reveal coming until it's revealed. And man... And they did it so well. They did it so well. Mm -hmm. So it cuts all the way back to Blanc receiving his box. Yep. So it's not a fully formed box like he said. It was the smashed up box that a woman who looks a lot like Andy brought to him. Except she's got a nice thick southern accent. She's Mm -hmm. Andy's twin sister, Helen. And she's a third grade teacher from Alabama. She's so cute. I love it. I love her. Yeah, totally different look to her. Andy is very like chic and Mm -hmm. very put together and polished. And this woman just looks like a normal person. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Totally different style hair, natural hair. Yeah, they're not the same in personality either. You go on to find out that she really has to put on a different character to play her sister. She tells Blanc that her sister and her, when they were growing up fairly poor, that they used to have this like accent that they did to make fun of rich people. (laughs) And after Andy moved out and moved to New York and made her way and found success, that she would see Andy like doing an interview online and be like, she's using the rich bitch voice, (laughs) which is what they called this character, the rich rich bitch. bitch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, basically like fake it till you make it. And she did. She Mm -hmm. made it. So she is here because she went on to Google and she figured out that Benoit Blanc is the greatest investigator alive. And her sister was found in her car with the engine running and sleeping pills in her system. And the police think that she committed suicide. But she does not think so. She thinks she was murdered. And she wants Benoit to figure it out. Who better? Oh, Andy's actually dead. Andy is actually dead, which mm-hmm. I love the flip-flop here because you're coming off the reeling of her being shot yeah. at, the, at the murder mystery party. But then it cuts way back to a flashback and you realize like she's already dead. Yeah. And so then it's like the double like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two shot of like but now She's dead. Now oh, Helen is dead. Now you think Helen's been shot. Yeah. It's a one-two mm-hmm. punch for sure. But yeah, so she went digging through Andy's previous emails because she did not leave a suicide note. And she found that one of the most recent emails she sent was to all of the disruptors. And it was an email that said, I finally found it. It's right here. And I'm going to use it to burn his whole empire down. I'm giving you all one last chance to make things right. You know where to find me. 
which, wow. And there's a attachment of a picture of her holding a red envelope. Obviously, this is important. And Helen is like, I scoured her whole house and I never found that envelope. It is not there. Not there. And Blanc goes, intriguing. <laughs> <laughs> this is this case he that is he all in at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, has her death been announced yet? And she's like, no, I haven't done that yet. He's like, hmm, I could pull strings to keep her death under wraps for like another week. So maybe like a plan is forming in his head. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like slowly like realizing what he can do and he tells her that he thinks that she should pretend to be Andy and that they will both go on this island vacation. Yeah. Because what better way when they're all there and isolated to figure out who killed her sister? I mean, those are all the people who knew her best and had motive. So Mm -hmm. she calls them the shitheads. And who heard (laughs) from her last in a very threatening way. Right. Yes, definitely. They discuss briefly like how it's not exactly safe, this whole situation, because Blanc's like, look, you can pretend to be Andy all you want and be passable. But as soon as you get there, whoever did actually kill her is going to know that you're not who you say you are and what you're up to. Yeah. So there's inherent danger in that you might get murdered again again <laughs> again yeah and she does say is this safe and he says all of that and he thinks about it and he goes no no it isn't i'm a detective i'm not a bodyguard i can't keep you safe totally up to you if you actually want to do this and her face acting is really awesome you could see it in her face that she gets very determined and she comes to the conclusion that she's gonna do this for her sister it's cool she thinks it through and you get to see it pass over her face as she makes that call. Janelle Monáe is so good. She's so good. She's amazing. Cut to a restaurant in Greece where, again, Blanc looks like a little French sailor boy. (laughs) He's so cute. Little outfits are so good. They are grabbing drinks together, but Helen doesn't drink. No, she doesn't drink. But she definitely looks like Andy now. She's very posh. Mm -hmm. She's had a makeover. She's wearing Andy's clothes. Got her hair done like Andy had. Full costume. And they are going over the suspects, talking about each person's motives Mm -hmm. and opportunity to kill Andy. They basically say that they need to figure those things out. And that's like their goal on the island. Who had motive and opportunity? And she goes over the story of how the gang got together. Like originally, how they all met. The real story. The not real the Miles story. version. Right. Yes. And if it's okay with you, Hannah, I figure we would just read this kind of monologue word for word because it does a really good job of piecing it all together. Yeah. So she says Birdie was a washed up model. Duke was a nerd doing video game tournaments. Claire just lost a race for city council. Lionel was a substitute teacher. All of them run aground in their 30s, but Andy saw their potential. She found them all. Then she found Miles, introduced him to the group. At first, nobody liked him and things started happening. He got Birdie a show for her designs and it did well. He got Lionel published. Duke set up a Twitch. Claire elected locally. You know, small stuff, but it all happened. And then the big thing happened. Cuts to Andy writing on a napkin. She wrote on the napkin. She like 
puts it up to show everybody. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. So based on the napkin idea, Andy and Miles created Alpha. It blows up. They bring everyone along for the ride. Miles's aspiration keep getting bigger and bigger. And cut to two years ago, Miles meets some sketchy Norwegian scientist at an ayahuasca ceremony <laughs> in Peru who sells him on this whole new hydrogen fuel. And he becomes obsessed. And he's willing to give the company's entire resources to launch this. Yeah. So then it cuts to a scene of Andy and Miles in their like big corporate big wig meeting room. And Andy's like, dude, this is super unsafe. And I will literally walk away from the company, take half of it with me away from you to keep you from using all of our resources on this fuel. On this fluke fuel that you don't know is even going to work. It's definitely like, oh, Miles is awful. Like we already didn't like him very much, but now it's like Andy was the whole brains. Oh yeah. Yeah. She knew what was up. So then she goes on to say, and she did it. God, I love that she did it. Then she found out that Miles had the lawyers work the contract. So she was cut out of the company completely. She sued over that. Her whole case was based on intellectual ownership of the company's founding idea, her idea on the napkin, which she didn't keep. Yikes. And then it cuts to a picture or set of scenes from the trial. And literally every single one of these members of this group are testifying against her. Yeah, we get a montage of them all lying on stand saying that Miles wrote the napkin. Yikes. Which he did not. (laughs) No, he didn't. And they all know it. And it's horrible. It's really gross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right after the verdict, Miles suddenly found the napkin written his in his handwriting and did all those interviews about it. A damn lie. And it worked. It's very upsetting. And it gives so much context to the whole betrayal that we've been hearing mm-hmm. about this whole time. Why the napkin is so significant and why it's framed behind Miles' desk. Then we see Andy sort of reacting to the news of Miles finding the napkin. And she is home and kind of has a little bit of a tantrum and knocks her bookcases down. (laughs) And I mean, I don't know how I would react in this situation, but it would not be good. No, understandable. She knocks down one of her bookcases and a book falls open and tucked into this book was the napkin. And she has found the original napkin. In her own handwriting. So that's what she does. She puts it in the little red envelope and she sends that email to her friends being like, I fucking found it, you bitches. Yeah. Make this right or you're all going to be screwed. Yep. Um, and then, you know, later that day, she's dead. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. so they decide to go to the island. And they're like we said, their main goal mm-hmm. is to find motive and opportunity for each of the four suspects. Mm-hmm. And they have ruled Miles out. They, like, they actually have immediately dialogue about this. Mm-hmm. Because Blanc... He tells Andy, who's like, it can't be Miles because he'd be a fool to kill her right after this big court case. Yeah. Which is another Ryan Johnson, like, that's the nugget of the whole movie. Is that <laughs> right there? Ooh. Just casual. Yeah. He's, like, he's <laughs> yeah. an idiot. <laughs> he's like, after this big court case, Andy, you just have someone else do it for him. Like, he wouldn't get his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And I went right along with it. I rode that wave. I was like, oh, Blanc is the smart one here. Yep. That sounds totally. good. 
Yeah. It's not They're him. sitting on a bench together with a notebook and she has drawn like a little grid system just like you do in Clue <laughs> where you can like mark people off. And she's like, oh, it's like Clue. And he's like, I hate I that hate game. That game. It's so dumb. And he was like, it's so stupid. And he was like, I'm terrible at dumb things. <laughs> yeah. It's my Achilles heel. <laughs> it's very cute. I honestly, actually, maybe the relationship between Marta and Harlan is kind of mirrored in Blanc and Helen. I really mm-hmm. love their relationship. Yeah. You get a little bit of this too with Marta and Blanc, where That's they true. kind of team up in Knives Out to solve the mystery. Yeah. It's a different context because Marta's super stressed. She was the trying whole time. to hide stuff from him. Right. But I do really like this buddy cop section of the movie yeah. where these two are working together on the island is <laughs> really fun so to watch. Cute. Yes. <laughs> so once they get onto the island, Blanc immediately is like, okay. I'm going to get pulled away. You go snoop. They <laughs> say the word time snoop. To snoop. <laughs> and they say it multiple times, which I was like, yes. <laughs> we love Being a, a detective. <laughs> Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Gwad. Yes. And she does such a good job. And I love the fact that every time she gets back together with Blanc to talk about the stuff that she's found out, he's so impressed with her. He's delighted at her progress. You're really <laughs> good so- at this. <laughs> Sweet. It's the same energy he brings to Marta when he tells her that she's a good mm-hmm. nurse. Because it's so kind he, heart. Yeah. Yeah. Like he genuinely feels that. And he's yeah. so genuinely delighted at at Helen being good at being a detective and yes. being good at snooping. <laughs> he's loving it. He's so good. <laughs> it's great. And she does. So she finds out lots of things. But first and foremost, she has a conversation with Whiskey. I really enjoyed this conversation. Did you? Yeah. This is what I wanted to say about Whiskey. Because this conversation reveals so much about her. Mm-hmm. And she is the only one who is genuinely nice to Helen, who she thinks is Andy. She is. She literally says that was messed up what they did to you. Yeah, she references the court case and she says, I read your court transcripts, which like, that's a huge deal. Because she's previously come across as like this bimbo type who has, you know, Mm -hmm. no brains in her head. But like she read these court transcripts and she she talks about how she's basically like using this whole, she's using all of them, but she's using Duke for sure. She's like, yeah, I'm building my brand. He's getting me views, but he's kind of veering off into this like men's rights situation that I don't know if I want to be associated with. She's like, yeah, if I go into politics in the future, I don't want to have that on my record. And I'm like, damn, whiskey's like got a whole ass plan. I know. (laughs) She's got aspirations. Manipulating all of them. And like, normally I wouldn't appreciate that, but they're all such shitty people. I'm I'm like, here for it. Absolutely. Yes. Do it, whiskey. Yes. And she is genuinely nice to Helen. Yeah, you can tell that they actually genuinely connect on some sort of level. She does say that Miles came to her house for her birthday um, and like got her a necklace. And so she's also using him in gross ways. Like, do what you got to do, girl. But yeah, (laughs) I mean, I couldn't do it, but power to the women who can. Yeah, it's very revealing. And I like the depth that it gave Whiskey's character mm-hmm. because up until now she was very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a archetype and like, they're all sort of archetypes, yes. but she was kind of a 
dismissive archetype, which Mm -hmm. I didn't love. Yeah, especially for the fact that up until now, you think kind of the only reason she's here is to give Duke motive for not liking Miles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just icky. It is icky. But turns out your girl's got a plan. Yeah. And she's one of my favorite characters. I really enjoy her. Yeah. (laughs) So So it's great. She offers Helen a kombucha, which Helen thinks is regular kombucha, but it's that <laughs> 9% alcohol hard kombucha that they were slamming she at the pool. She starts chugging that shit. She is like, this is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> and she is pounding um, it down. She is. She overhears Claire and Lionel when they're in their little corner in the pool, and they both are confessing that they have signed off on the plower plant. Like, Lionel signed off on the manned mission, and Claire signed off on the whole plant. hmm But Lionel says, look, Andy was right. Putting this fuel into its gas form, into housing piping, causing the hydrogen gas to leak into the air because the particles are too small. So it's, like, yeah. all up in the air. It's not yeah. just in the ducts. Right. You're filling people's houses with, like, with hydrogen gas. Flammable gas. Which is an idiot could tell you that that's a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of the point here. Um, So she also puts a tape recorder into Birdie's bag when she's not looking. Mm -hmm. She like hippity hops that thing in there. Mm -hmm. And Blanc is like so excited about it. He loves it. (laughs) It's so great. It's so funny. Because Helen is drunk, that's the reason when Miles is sitting around talking about disruption and it's that whole pretentious speech that she like really pushes his boundaries and she's like, no, 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 you guys are all shitheads. And, you know, she goes on her little rampage. And when she runs away, Claire does catch up with her as well as Duke. And she gets confronted about the email that her sister sent. Mm hmm. Helen is like taken aback. Right. I mean, she's drunk. She's stressed out. And she's just like, I don't know how to deal with this. I wasn't ready for this conversation. Because they're all like, we called you that night. We went to your house and you didn't answer. Like you didn't pick up the phone. You didn't answer the door. What was going on? Tell us. And she's like, uh, <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. She goes, wait, can you say all that again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. So they they give her like a rundown of like what happened. Mm-hmm. And they all ended up at Andy's house that night. I think Duke said he was the first one to get the there and that he almost got pancaked, he almost got run over on his bike on the way up to her house. Mm-hmm. And then the other three got there after and yeah they were all there together and nobody was getting an answer from her so they left yeah and helen was like yeah but let's be real you were coming there to stop me from using the envelope not to help me and they just like are silent about They're it like oh yeah maybe that's the truth um, yeah but big news i mean she just learned that they mm-hmm. were all four at the house the day she died. Yeah. So apparently Duke got there earlier. So he was there alone mm-hmm. for a time. And then they were all there together. And then apparently Birdie came back later to check again. And she was still not answering. So both Duke and Birdie had 
alone time at the house that day, Mm -hmm. in addition to them all being there. Yep. And I mean, I wouldn't put it past a story to have all of them have done it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's a... That's a trope as well. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Orient Express. It gives context to Claire saying she's changed. Something's off. She's changed. Obviously, it is not Andy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, like, that's why she's inherently different. (laughs) She's drunk. (laughs) Yeah. So, Blanc catches up to her in the gym, which is super fancy. It's super fancy. It literally has Serena Williams... This is, I love there. this reveal. Like, this is, <laughs> and this joke really actually, I think, plays off really well. Cause, first of all, this home gym is like nicer than any professional gym I've ever been in. Yeah. And yeah, there's like this TV screen with Serena Williams on it. And it looks like an ad for like a fitness mm-hmm. program or something, mm-hmm. or like a Nike ad or something. Blanc and Helen are sitting there talking about all their evidence they've gathered. And Serena Williams <laughs> on this screen turns to them and is like, Y'all want to work out or not? Because I'm on the clock. <laughs> They're like, uh, no. <laughs> like, okay, it's your money. Yeah, it was. She just goes back to. I love. I loved it. I think it's actually really quite clever. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, he's a name dropper. He buys all of these celebrities. He's time. got Serena Williams on the clock, just sitting around in case he wants to work out. Wild, crazy. In this gym, Blanc sees a fax machine because he's got them all over the place and he's got the same number for all of them. And he's like, oh my gosh, she has this epiphany. He goes to the fax machine. He finds that he was faxed the email that Andy sent to the rest of the disruptor gang. Lionel had faxed it to him. So Miles also knew about the red envelope. That Andy had found the napkin. All of a sudden, Miles is like kind of roped back into, okay, maybe we need to pay attention to him. So they, at this point, have pretty much found that everybody had motive and everybody had mm-hmm. opportunity, right? They have got yeah, their little grid like, filled in all the way and they're like, well, shit. <laughs> yeah, right. It's interesting because they all have reason to want Miles dead, But they're trying to figure out why they're protecting Miles by killing Andy. They're like, it doesn't seem to make sense. It's like another layer to it. Mm -hmm. So you get some insight into that. So Duke walks in. He's talking on the phone to Whiskey. And he's basically like, look, you got to do this for me one last time, babe. We need to get him to give us an answer, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he's telling her to sleep with Miles for him. Yeah. This gave more context to her sleeping with Miles. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. like, she, we know she's manipulating Miles to get something for Duke. But, like, I like the extra layer that we also know that she is using Duke to get what she wants. What she wants. And, like, mm-hmm. she knows that, like, in this situation, what Duke wants is what she wants. And she's not thrilled about it. Like, that is made clear. She, like, hangs up on him later in the night. She does not seem happy. Yeah, she's over it. I don't blame her. And, like, honestly, I think at this point, she could probably part ways with Duke and, like, be just fine. Yeah. (laughs) I think the notoriety, (laughs) she's ready to spread her wings. Yeah, so that gives context to that scene through the window. But Miles, you hear it this time, and Miles refuses to do anything for Duke. Yeah, he does not want him on Alpha News. Yeah. Helen gets the recorder back from Birdie's bag. (laughs) <laughs> and this, 
I love this scene between Birdie and Peg. It's so in great. In her room. Oh. <laughs> she's got her hair up in curlers. Yeah. She's in like a silk robe. <laughs> oh my God. All her shit spread out all over the bed. Yeah. And they, they're just chatting. And we're seeing this whole scene while Blanc and Helen are listening to it. And basically, Birdie admits to having a secret phone that Peg doesn't know about because Peg has taken all of her phones away from her to run her PR for uh-huh. And Birdie is like, I can't do anything about the Bangladesh situation because I did this. And she like produces a secret phone to Peg and Peg reads it. And this is one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie. Like it yeah, just it's plays really good. It's so, so well. Good. And Kate Hudson acts it out so perfectly. <laughs> So does Peg. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Peg is reading it and she's like, oh my God, Birdie. Yeah. (sighs) So the email is from the contractor that worked on the Sweetie Pants factory in Bangladesh. And he says, just to let you know, this is one of the biggest sweatshops in the world. Sorry, I should put that on your radar. And Birdie responds, sounds Sounds perfect. perfect. Thanks. Thanks. With her emoji dabbing. Dabbing. (laughs) (laughs) that alone is funny to me but then peg goes birdie please tell me that you did not think that sweatshop means they make sweatpants (laughs) so good i love love kate hudson the way she's just like what else was i supposed to think (laughs) i don't know why you would think i would think anything other than that The way she shrugs there gets me every time. Oh, it cracks me up. Oh, it's so good and so in tune with her character. Oh, yes. It's great. Like, she didn't mean to fuck up, but she did. Yeah. So that's the whole thing with Miles is that he wants her to make a statement saying that basically it was all her idea with this, like, sweatshop in Bangladesh and that while he was an investor, he didn't know about it and he... And she, he wants her to take the fall for yeah. this, and basically. if she does this, then he will pay her out. He'll pay her the value of her shares. $30 million so that she doesn't go under. Just, yeah, measly $30 million. Yeah, so, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Peg. <laughs> yeah. So, with this evidence, Blanc and Helen are like, oh, shit. They all mm-hmm. had motive. They all had opportunity. To protect Miles. This envelope is the key to everything finding this envelope because they wouldn't have left it at home they Mm -hmm. would have brought it with them to show miles and Mm -hmm. so they know it's here and he's like but they won't have it on themselves at dinner because they wouldn't be able to hide it so you gotta search their rooms while we're at dinner at some point you gotta get out yeah he's like leave in the most uncomfortable way that you can so that no one follows you and go ransack their rooms Mm mm-hmm And she does. So that's why she picks that big... Well, she doesn't necessarily pick that big fight, but she gets into that big fight with Claire and Duke. They blow up and she storms off. And that's when she goes frantically searching everybody's rooms. And on her way out, I really love this scene. Whiskey is like vaping outside and she goes up to her and she's like, he's a jackass whiskey. Leave his ass. Yeah. It's so cute and good. It's (laughs) so great. Whiskey has this look on her face and she's just like, yeah, I fucking know. (laughs) Like, that's the plan. I'm telling you. (laughs) 
Yeah. And Duke literally is like about to die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like midway through her searching, she gets a notification on her phone about her sister's death. Like the news has broke. Oh, right. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. she already knew, obviously. But yeah, it has broken and it is big news and it is out there. And then she heads off to um, Whiskey and Duke's room. And as she's searching, Whiskey comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And Helen's like, oh. And she's like, Duke didn't deserve it. I shouldn't have left. And Andy, I mean, Helen is like, he did deserve it. You should have left him. And <laughs> because she told him her to leave him yeah but he had just died (laughs) right and andy you know andy slash helen doesn't know this yet yeah and whiskey is going off the context of like duke just died after you told me he's a jackass you need to leave (laughs) and then and then she's saying he got what he deserved (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and then this is the moment where all the lights in the house go off And they're like, don't kill me. You don't kill me. (laughs) Whiskey's like, you killed him. And she's got her spear gun like pointed at Helen. (laughs) It's really quite like the the, the comedy there is really, it works really well, I think. Because they're both like, what the hell? (laughs) She's like, I'm not trying to kill you, bitch. It's so funny. Oh, man. Yeah, we get that montage of Helen searching all the rooms, dumping everybody's bags out, which mm-hmm. is where you see the LSD, like, acid tabs in yeah. Birdie's stuff. Meanwhile, everybody else is running around in the dark. Mm-hmm. And this is when Blanc and Helen meet outside again, just before she gets shot. So we actually get to see their full conversation here yeah, right before she gets shot. And it it makes a lot more sense. It makes so <laughs> much more sense. They have the epiphany that the envelope must be in the office in the glass onion because right. it's not in anybody's rooms. So like they must have already given it to Miles. And so they're like, okay, we have to search that one last place. And then bam, mm-hmm. Helen gets shot. She gets shot. I was angry. Yeah. It is very short lived, which thank goodness, because I would have been extra angry. Mm hmm. She pops back up immediately. Oh, like almost immediately. Like <laughs> she pops like, up. I'm fine. <laughs> and Blanc, Blanc's face, you watch him watch her pop back up and he's like horrified. And then he goes from horrified to like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so good. Amused. Yeah, yeah, just very confused, but like happy and surprised all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she pulls out of her jacket pocket one of Andy's journals because Andy was a fierce devoted journaler and journaled every day of her life and Mm -hmm. she has been studying her sister's journals to be able to play her as a character and it turns out that the bullet got lodged in this leather back journal again a trope but I don't care right I don't care because it's so cheesy but Helen doesn't die, and I like that a lot more than her dying. I don't care either. Bullets have been stopped by crazy, stupid stuff, like, in actual real life before. So for the sake of this movie, sure. Like, I can put that aside. I wish Mythbusters was still around and could test this. <laughs> I know, could do it. <laughs> yeah. So to convince everyone else that she actually died, Blanc pulls that bottle of Jeremy Renner hot sauce 
out of his pocket. Everything is meaningful. Everything <laughs> means something. And he pours it all over her chest and dabs some in his own eyes mm-hmm. so that he is like fully weeping when everybody yeah. else runs out to see Andy's dead yep. body. Yep. And then he like hurries them inside very quickly so that she can get up. Right. And leave. <laughs> and yeah. She does. Yeah. And there's that scene is so tense because he's trying to get everybody away and the camera zooms in on that drop of hot sauce that's like slowly making its way toward her nose and like drops down into her nose. That was arguably the most tense I was this whole movie where I was just like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Because that's such an uncontrollable response sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the minute they're out of sight, she flips over and like... (laughs) She scratches her nose. Fuck! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) It's such a good, like, tension-building moment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, now we're caught up to where we left off the first time, where Blanc has gathered all the ducks in back inside the glass onion, Mm -hmm. and he's like, we are going to figure this shit out. Yep. The stories join, and then Blanc has his moment of glory, like, just like in Knives Out, where Mm -hmm. he basically monologued his way through the whole case. He brought all the pieces together. It was so good. Perfect writing. And we're going to do it again. Yeah, we're going to read it because we genuinely felt like we couldn't improve on this monologue. No. And it puts everything together so well. He says, I'm not going to do his accent because I will embarrass myself. And it's a lot of words. (laughs) But it's amazing. Go watch the movie. (laughs) Um, He says, well, I keep returning in my mind to the glass onion. Something that seems densely layered, mysterious, and inscrutable. But in fact, the center is in plain sight. And that is why this case has confounded me like no other. Why every complex layer peeled back has revealed another layer, and another layer, and come to naught. And that was the problem right there. You see, I expected complexity. I expected intelligence. I expected a puzzle, a game. But that's not what any of this is. It hides not behind complexity, but behind mind-numbing, obvious clarity. Truth is, it doesn't hide at all. I was staring right at it. And as he's doing this monologue, we see Helen find the envelope right behind the fake napkin display that Miles has framed behind his desk. So she has found the original. Right behind the fake, which is stupid. Yep. And (laughs) we'll talk about it after, but I have something to say about that. Okay. (laughs) He goes on to say, The killer nearly struck my Achilles heel. But thank high heaven, at the last moment, I realized what had teased my brain through this entire case. Inbreathiate. It's not a word. It kind of sounds like one, but it's just entirely made up. This entire day, a veritable minefield of malapropisms and factual errors. His dock doesn't float. His wonder fuel is a disaster. His grasp of disruption theory is remedial at best. He didn't design the puzzle boxes. He didn't write the murder mystery. Et voila, it all adds up. The key to this entire case. Like everyone in the world, I assumed Miles Braun was a complicated genius. But why? Look into the clear center of this glass onion. Miles Braun is an idiot. Is an idiot. An idiot. (laughs) An idiot. (laughs) I wanted to say... The reason that Helen notices that the red envelope is behind the other one is because there's this piece of art and it's got like a little clear glass rectangle in the art that you can see the red envelope 
through and she pulls it behind it. But like the red rectangle is everywhere inside the glass onion room. <gasps> really? Like there are red rectangles all over that room. What? <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> There's this big chandelier over the table. Oh my and it's God. a bunch oh of crystals God, with a bunch of red rectangles in it. <gasps> it's in like the art. It's in the decor. It's all over the glass oh onion room. There God. are red rectangles, which I didn't notice until the second time. But yeah, like they're everywhere. You, you just noticed that on your own? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because like... You blow my mind. <laughs> well, I was intentionally looking for really tiny details the second time because that's how Ryan Johnson rolls with these movies. Wow. But yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> Any hoops. <laughs> so now he's speaking to Miles. He says, nobody tried to kill you, you vainglorious buffoon. You talk... <laughs> It's such a good insult. I'm sorry. Vainglorious to... <laughs> buffoon. <laughs> it's good. We don't call people buffoons often enough nowadays. We really should. Yes. <laughs> you told us Duke took your glass. He must have picked it up by mistake, you told us, right after it happened. And after you said those words, that's what we all remember seeing. But think. Ignore his lies, everyone, and think clearly now. What did we actually see? You handed Duke your own glass, clear as crystal, right in front of our eyes. And then you told a bald-faced fabrication, and it worked. Okay. I noticed this. This was Lauren's big aha moment, because as soon as this was revealed, she yelled, I saw that! (laughs) I was so excited about it. (laughs) Clearly, I don't pick up on the details like Hannah does, so... The first time through, I saw him, like, hand the drink to Duke, and I didn't think anything of it. And then when Duke died, they replay the scene. It's, like, flashbacks to it. And he puts the glass down, and Duke picks it up. And I was, like, I literally, in my head, I was, like, did they fuck up? Like, did the movie... Did they use two different shots? Did they use two different shots? Yeah. And obviously, they didn't, because Ryan Johnson wouldn't do that. (laughs) But... (laughs) that's what I thought in my head so when it came back around I got so excited I was like I knew he handed it to me (laughs) anyways I also think it's really interesting that they played off of the fact that witness memory and testimony is very like flimsy unreliable you can be convinced so easily that Mm -hmm. something that you saw something you didn't right yeah there are countless cases that went sideways because of witness testimony that was just not accurate at all exactly there's tons of studies where you put something in someone's head and then they remember it that way or each time you think of a memory it like changes a little bit so over time it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. so it was it was cool that they used that oh yeah for sure phenomena and him bringing this up makes claire realize she actually heard Duke earlier in the night telling them that he almost got in an accident on the way to Andy's house. And he was telling them that Miles almost ran him over on Mm -hmm. his way to Andy's house. Yeah. But Miles like cut him off. So Blanc says, because that night, like, why would you kill Duke? Because the night Andy sent you all the emails, when Duke got to Andy's house early on his motorcycle, he saw Miles leaving, was almost struck by him. In fact, he told all of us right out in the open. He told all of us. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Lionel is like, but hey, Miles was living in Greece during that time. How could he be there? And Blanc goes, whiskey. <laughs> Whiskey's face when he says her name. It's like, what? She's like, She's... what? Me? What? <laughs> Who? Me? No, no. Don't bring me into this. <laughs> yeah. And he points out she had told Helen, Miles got her that necklace for her birthday. And she's a Taurus, which means her birthday was in May, which means, and she had told Helen also how he decorated his whole apartment with like red rose petals. And it was all very romantic. And this puts Miles in New York at the time of Andy's death. So forget the hydrophiles and the sweatshops and the consensual cuckolding for cable news assignments (laughs) and focus on the envelope. And here comes Helen having found the envelope and the napkin. Who did the envelope threaten? Miles Braun. That night, Lionel faxed Andy's email to Miles, who received it in New York. The one thing that could destroy his empire of lies, the truth in the hands of the only person unafraid to tell it. So Miles drives his baby blue Porsche to the scene of the crime and Andy lets him in. Of course she did. Miles' machine of lawyers and power could destroy her through sheer dumb force. But Miles himself? She was clever enough not to fear Miles. But she didn't see the real threat, the obvious threat, until it was too late. Duke alone knew you were there that night, but he didn't know Andy was dead. No, no, no. He didn't know that until this evening, right here when he got a Google alert on his phone, which has now fallen strangely silent. And which he showed to you because you don't own a phone. He didn't need to hide the death. He just needed to hide that Duke had shown him the death moments before he was killed. Right out in the open, Duke showed him and told him exactly what he wanted in return for his silence. So, like, that makes sense because Duke was like, look at these numbers. Mm -hmm. Can we talk alpha news? (laughs) And Miles was like, oh, shit, and immediately went to make a drink. Yeah. Right. It gives yeah. so much context to the previous scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Duke is like, put me on your show or I will tell everyone that you killed Andy. <laughs> so what does Miles do? Helen is like, did he poison him? <laughs> yeah. And he goes, no, this, I love this part. He goes, no, no, no. It's just so much stupider than that. <laughs> Birdie, what are the ingredients to your Cuban breeze? An allergy pineapple juice he just put pineapple juice in his whiskey and he just goes it's so dumb (laughs) his delivery of that line where he goes well because i think somebody goes uh he goes he says it's so dumb and someone's like oh that's so no that's actually pretty clever and he goes no it's just dumb (laughs) it was birdie she goes it's so dumb it's clever he goes no it's just dumb I love that delivery. (laughs) So at this point, they're all coming to the realization, Birdie a lot later than the rest of them, (laughs) that Andy is actually Helen because Andy is dead. And she had a twin sister, Helen. Birdie realizing later than all of them, she like, (laughs) (gasps) my girl (laughs) is catching up. She's getting there. It's processing. (laughs) (laughs) Blanc goes on to say, Helen Brand, ladies and gentlemen. And now we come to Helen's attempted murder, which I have to give you credit for, Miles. It did have a sound foundation of thought. You realized the opportunity laid out in front of you. 
You have a house on a remote island filled with desperate people, all of whom have a real-life reason to wish this woman harm. Furthermore, you have a loaded gun conveniently within reach, and the lights have even been turned off. Heavens to... (laughs) You dim-witted, brainless jackass! You're one murder with any panache at all, and you stole the whole idea from me. (laughs) And it cuts back, and we see him delivering that line to Miles earlier in the movie where... You put a loaded gun on the table and, and turn the, the lights. lights like, <laughs> and then Miles is like, hmm. And Blanc is so offended that like the only clever part of any of this was his idea. <laughs> his offensive of it all it. is so like, he's so indignant and I love it. <laughs> I, love, I love how the whole climax of this is just that Miles is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Blanc says... I'm bad at dumb things. It's my mm-hmm. Achilles heel, which is why he was so bad at seeing mm-hmm. the truth of this whole situation. Because Miles is just dumbest person yeah. in the world. He wrote him off immediately because mm-hmm. why would you murder someone after this big controversial court case? <laughs> yeah. And we wrote him off too because we also expected this movie to be very complex. Right. And it's like, it's really straightforward, but I love the, it feels complex, even though mm-hmm. it's not. And that's so great. I think it's such clever storytelling. Uh, and yeah, it's a I twist agree. that is, I don't think I've ever seen it in a mystery. No, Kendall and I were talking about it. And as much as I like Knives Out, and I think I just prefer that movie for the general mm-hmm. vibe of it, I didn't want another Knives Out. No, I agree. I didn't want the same movie over again. And I like how different and fresh this one felt mm-hmm. in comparison. It's just the vibe itself wasn't my particular niche thing that I prefer. I but like, I think it has all the value that Knives Out does. I totally, I totally agree. I think it's super cool. And the ending is just beautiful. <laughs> it's great. So So, Helen shows them all Andy's napkin. She pulls it out of the red envelope and Miles is like, how can you even prove that's the original? Like I have one framed upstairs. Mm -hmm. Who's to say that's not the real one. And she's like very dramatically. Mine has something that yours doesn't. And it zooms in on a little glass onion, like the bar stamped on the napkin. Yeah. She says the bar closed nine years ago. And mine has something that yours just doesn't. But immediately, Miles burns it. He takes a lighter and just sets the napkin on fire. And it totally burns up in front of everyone. I honestly really love that because there are so many times when... Usually, Zach gets a lot more upset about these things than I do. But when a character... She was literally holding the napkin up to him. Mm -hmm. And if he hadn't have done anything, Zach... And maybe me would have been like, just take it. Take it from her. It's like literally right in front of your face. Right. Like, why wouldn't you do the logical thing of like, it's literally a piece of paper. Yeah. Just Just steal it. And it's the only one. It's like, it's, it has to be that piece of paper. Yeah. And she's just like dangling it in front of you. (laughs) And he just lights it on fire. Which, yeah, it's refreshingly like accurate to what someone Mm -hmm. would actually do, I think, to protect themselves and... Yeah, and he calls them out and says, like, look, that was your only piece of evidence. You cannot do shit. Mm -hmm. And nobody saw that napkin when you pulled it out of the envelope. And nobody can prove that that was the original. That I killed Andy. And the rest of the crew, 
they don't say anything, but they're complicit with this. Like, they're not going to bank on Miles. Their silence speaks volumes. It tells Helen that they are not going to stand by her and testify that that was the original napkin. Again, Helen, like, pleads with Blanc to do something, but he's basically like, look, I found the truth. That's what I do. I'm not judge, jury. I I can't do anything else. I'm beholden to evidence in the courts just like anyone else. And that was our only piece of evidence. So he grabs a glass of whiskey and offers it to her. And he says, I can only offer you courage and the reason to walk away just like your sister did. And he puts a little nugget of clean energy, the little hardened crystal into her hand. I was really frustrated in this moment watching it because because the napkin burned up and Blanc has like given up. Yeah. I was like, how is this going to end? Because at this moment, I'm not satisfied. Exactly. But it does. (laughs) It it really, it comes full circle. And I'm too (laughs) dumb to like see that far ahead. So I was like, I I was not ready for that. I was (laughs) not ready for what happens. (laughs) If I had been in Helen's position here, I don't know that I would have put two and two together. I would have been like, the fuck? (laughs) No, I'd be like, why did you just hand this to me? (laughs) I know. It would have taken me much longer. I probably would have gotten there, but boy, like. Yeah, so Helen goes on a... A little bitch tantrum. <laughs> a, a quite satisfying rampage. Yes, she does. Honestly. She starts breaking the glass sculptures. It's like that scene in Zombieland where they That's get exactly to That's exactly what I thought Yes, of. that little shop and they just like destroy everything. <laughs> yes. It's so good. She's just blatantly breaking these probably like thousands or millions of dollar pieces of glass art. And at first, everybody is horrified by this. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's Whiskey who's the first one that's like, hell, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, let's go. And then they all are like, yeah, and start breaking stuff with her. It's honestly kind of cute because you can tell that they're all very frustrated with Miles, too. Yes. <laughs> but then it gets to a point where she pushes his little bar over so alcohol spills everywhere and she lights that on fire and at this point everybody's like okay maybe going a little far (laughs) that's a little much and she's literally like fueling the fire with her jackets and like other things she grabs the little nugget of clean and she throws it onto the fire which causes the entire glass onion to blow up (sighs) it gets sucked up into the vents because if you remember the clean hydrogen particles leak into the air they don't stay in the vents so it's all flam the air around them is flammable yeah <laughs> God, he's such an this is such a dumb ass idea like miles really is an idiot so yeah he we is. see blanc smoking a cigar sitting out on the beach with daryl the stoner dude and they watch the whole glass onion explode <laughs> to be honest I really like that scene now that I know that it's Trooper Wagner. Yes. So I was like, this is cute. This is, uh, <laughs> Trooper Wagner would be so delighted. <laughs> we cut to back inside and we see the whole area, the whole room is on fire. Miles's precious baby blue Porsche, which was on display on the roof of the house, falls through the ceiling, destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Miles and Helen are kind of just picking themselves up and make eye contact. And she has this really determined look about her. And (laughs) he's like, 
it plays out oh, in slow mo. He's shit. like, oh shit! <laughs> they run in slow mo <laughs> toward the Mona Lisa painting. When he when or like the little release button for the glass. So she's like freaking Janelle Monet, like hauling ass, super mean mugging it. And she looks like a warrior. She does. <laughs> yes, she should be in Black Panther or something. And <laughs> Miles comes behind her and like tries to grab her from behind, and his face is like, oh, <gasps> like, <laughs> like totally misses her <laughs> in the background. And <laughs> he just like drifts past her behind her in the shot. And it's once again like the physical physical comedy is on point. <laughs> it works really well. And she's like slamming her hand down on the button at the same time. Mm, she gets it in the Glass goes down for the Mona Lisa, and it burns. And we watch her burn. The Mona Lisa burns. Really crazy. My jaw dropped. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see where that was going. So, yeah, then we follow everyone. Everybody survived that somehow. Mm -hmm. Miles comes stomping out, throwing a little tantrum. He does, like a child. Like a child. And he's like, are you happy? Are you happy now? Because your little tantrum didn't do anything. Nothing changed. <laughs> you still can't prove that I killed Andy. Nah, 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 nah. And she turns around. She's like, you idiot. You're so stupid. <laughs> your fuel of the future just barbecued the world's most famous painting. You're done. Yeah. She says, you got your wish to forever be remembered in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. Yes. Chef's so kiss. good. It's so, so great. Good. The payoff here is why I can like put aside the idea that he was able mm-hmm. to rent the Mona Lisa. Because like, I just... That it's so line. Good. It's so mm. good. It's so good. I love it so much. And the group all collectively decides to turn on him. Bertie's like, wow, you know what? I did see... The envelope before Miles, or the napkin before Miles burned it. And Duke's, or, and Lionel Lionel says, oh, and I'm pretty sure I saw Miles at Andy's the night that she was killed. Yeah. And so it's clear one by one, they're going to turn on him. They're going to turn on him because he has nothing left. His over, his career's ruined. And it is sweet. I mean... They're definitely doing it because they can't get anything from him anymore. No, that, <laughs> so that's what I mean. Selfish. Like, not sweet as in like an all way, like sweet as in like a like sweet revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so mm-hmm. juicy. I love it that they're all yeah. just like so fickle and they turn on him so fast. <laughs> yeah. Just, of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do. All right. I've got the closing shots. You ready? Yes. Okay. Helen walks towards the camera, away from the disruptors, in slow motion, while dramatic and triumphant harpsichord music plays. Like a badass. The scene changes to ships with police lights approaching from a distance off the shore. Helen joins Benoit on some beach chairs to watch them come in. Blanc asks, Did you get the son of a bitch? Which Helen responds, Yeah. He asks, Are you ready to go home? The ships move closer and the camera pans in on Helen in her bloody clothes, well, hot sauce, sitting like a rich bitch and wearing a very smug face. Cut to black and the Beatles' glass onion plays us out. Perfect. Beautiful. No notes. 
Very good. <laughs> yes. It's really great. Like I said at the beginning, I really enjoyed it a lot more the second time. Mm -hmm, me too. But I do think part of my enjoyment improving on the second time was because I was really looking into it mm. for the purpose of this podcast. Mm. Not to say that that takes away from it at all. Because I was paying so much attention to every little detail and I caught so many more details. Yeah. It like made me appreciate it a lot more the second go through. I agree. And to be fair, I think it was that way with Knives Out too. Like mm -hmm. I watched it the first time and I was like, oh, that was really good. And then I talked to my friends about it who are movie nerds and they were like this detail and this detail and this detail. And then I rewatched and I was like, oh, this is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's pretty perfect. <laughs> so it's, it's the same. I kind of feel the same way about this one. Mm -hmm. I can't really poke holes in it. Mm -hmm. And the ones that you could maybe poke are the ones we've talked about where like, yeah, I can set aside. It's cheesy for a reason. I need those things to work and they don't bother me. So for me, it like it all meshes together. Ryan Johnson just I mean, he <sighs> freaking amazes me the way he like layers everything. We didn't talk about this yet, but the part where she starts destroying mm -hmm. all of the glass is absolutely a metaphor for the whole disruptor theory that he was going on about because uh, they're all game to join in and disrupt the system until she goes too far. And then they're like, oh, they no, don't I don't want to break the system. They itself. like tap out as soon as it gets intense. It's so good. I give it a five. <laughs> yeah, it's a five for me, too. Again, the vibes. I do miss the vibes a little bit, but I mean, I can't I can't fault it for just the vibes. And it's no. very personal opinion. And I have a feeling in the future, like when I watch Knives Out, I'm in a mood to watch Knives Out. Yes. And I feel like there will be specific days where I will be in a mood to watch Glass Onion. It's mm. just, they're very it's different. different. Mm -hmm. It's a different experience. I think this one for me is a little bit funnier. It's more, it, it has is, more yes. comedy in it mm -hmm. for me. But there's more heart in Knives Out. Right. And that one's just like a cozier, like rainy day movie where this one is just, I want to watch something funny and light and like be entertained. Yeah. It just serves a different purpose, mm -hmm. but also really well. I agree. Totally. Go watch it if you haven't. I don't know why you wouldn't have watched it by this point, but. <laughs> <laughs> and go watch Knives Out and listen to our episode on that because yes. we are equally as excited. <laughs> Absolutely. I do. I cannot recommend Knives Out enough. I don't know anybody that hasn't seen it, but I can't wait to find someone that hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh boy. We're watching it together. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been Senior Detectives. Thanks so much for listening today. Um, you're going to be joining us next time because we're going to be comparing the novel, the TV series episode, and the video game interpretation of Sherlock Holmes' The Hound of the Baskervilles. Eee. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash senior detectives and Twitter. We're at SNR underscore detectives. TikTok is SNR detectives pod and Instagram is senior detectives pod. And if you want to reach out to us, we are senior detectives pod at gmail.com. Always thank you to Kendall Dobeck for our lovely theme song and for editing all of our nonsense out of this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And to Cozy Snail Designs for our cover art. Bye. Bye.